bist du hier aller Ehre. Was ist Wundes hier geschehe? Dass ein Magd ein Kind This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Matt Pegas. And this is Dan Baltic. And today we're going to record on the classic HBO show, Phenomena- Cultural Phenomenon, Entourage, which aired from 2004 to 2011. It's a casual Saturday morning. Dan just had a very, uh, he was just telling me he kind of had a very entourage <laughs> uh, Friday Friday night. Into Saturday I, morning? Indeed. Uh, should I cut out that? <laughs> no, oh, no. I mean, well, let's, let's just roll with it. Uh, so, yeah, no, big night out, kind of entourage night. Went out for dinner, uh, date, obviously. And afterwards, we um, I, I was moved by the spirit to stop by Nobu for after dinner yeah. uh, snacks, which uh, were actually perhaps as expensive or close to as expensive as the <laughs> Itself. <laughs> you know um yeah i've never been to nobu um despite oh it's, LA. it's great i mean i think we're as I, we're discussing this we're probably alienating all of our yeah i know we gotta make sure we, we uh, sound like big uh fags but, <laughs> <laughs> we gotta talk uh, about our, our casual wine wine dates uh yes. in, in the in the bronze age pervert sense but uh but yeah no and I, i've never been to nobu but i actually recently went to Le Petit Four. All right, we should probably we should probably uh, move no on. no it's <laughs> but but I which mean, is like... a restaurant uh, Le Petit Four on Sunset Boulevard, which is a really good uh, French restaurant on Sun uh, yeah on Sunset that um you see them eating yeah, at yeah. a lot um in Entourage. I mean, this ties to Entourage. Like it, it's an Entourage Completely. thing Completely. after dinner to be like, I want to get some yellowtail jalapeno sashimi. And you go to Nobu after dinner because you're Vincent Chase or you're me spending more money than I should. Yeah. Uh, one, I mean, one or the other. Look, <laughs> uh, yes. Vincent Chase spending more money than I should. <laughs> oh, yeah. That becomes a, a plot detail in, in later <laughs> seasons. She will get to the sort of un, unlikely sobriety or, uh, you know, n- negative turns of events that you wouldn't necessarily think the show would take you is, is, is part of what I want to talk about with Entourage. But um, obviously our, our listeners know we're, we're in these big cities that we do. <laughs> I don't think we're, I hope we're not alienating too many people by, by delving into, you know, we're name drop, no. name dropping restaurants, whatever. That's, I guess that's, that's part of who we are, isn't it, Dan? No, they, uh, we're like a bi-coastal, this elite is, cultural podcast. This is an aspirational podcast. Yeah. If you listen to it long enough, you can um, be like me and Matt, which is uh, really cool. So <laughs> <laughs> you can, on a Saturday afternoon, do a Zoom drinking wine. <laughs> yes, or coffee in my case, discussing Entourage. Um, I recent, I okay, so I haven't seen all of Entourage yet. Um, it was my idea to this episode. I'm, I think I'm. I just started season five. There's seven seasons plus of movie uh, span of time was 2004 to 2011 uh so yeah once again i'm not uh i haven't seen all of it so there may be some some um you know things that end up happening that i'm not privy to but that being said i'm right in the middle of it uh okay. liking it a lot um i don't even remember who recommended to me it's just kind of one of these things where and I, i've a lot of other sort of millennial to zoomer age people i've talked to have experienced the same thing we're kind of we're out of the pandemic now but like all of our sort of habits, including perhaps washing habits, have been irrevocably changed by being locked at home for two years. So. <laughs> but but one one and I but I do think you know there's some interesting things that come out of that. And a lot of people 
just a, this is kind of just interesting as a phenomenon. A lot of people, and, and very much including myself that I've talked to, again, millennial to Zoomer age, have kind of started watching all of this like prestige TV from the 2000s through early 2010s that yeah. they probably missed. Maybe we remember in my no, case, Sopranos really is like huge. Yeah, Zoomers, it, like... it is. And, you know, I, for me, Sopranos at this point, who's like an old culture reference, but I, I watched all of that. I hadn't seen a minute of Sopranos before, before March of 2020. I start, so I'm definitely part of that, like pandemic Sopranos generation, which is like, you know, it, it, I watched it completely unaware that so many other people were, but it really has become a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But but other shows as well, Mad Men, uh, you know, Breaking Bad of the world, Breaking Bads of the world, uh, but but Entourage too, uh, and uh, I it kind of just felt like it was um, on my list. Obviously, I kind of have the Hollywood and, and LA connection, which it always made me want to see it, and finally got to it um, a couple months back, uh, and have just been really liking it. But you, Dan, uh, obviously, as our listeners know, are are a bit older than me, and and you were kind of more the peak audience for it so yeah when it was i was out. Yeah. watching entourage when men were supposed to be watching entourage, when men I could be men <laughs> uh, yes or um, not yeah this was so entourage was a big thing in like what like 2005 to 2009 something like that i mean again i i have the note specific running time was 2004 to 2011 but you're okay. probably right the peak of popularity was exactly probably what you what you just said yeah yeah so like i would be watching it in college and this is a thing like okay we're 20 year old guys we're going out hitting on women some sometimes being successful more often than not going back to our dorms uh you know trying to distract ourselves from how unsuccessful we were and we would watch entourage hmm. and that was like that was like a thing we you know we'd watch entourage and we'd like because it was a sort of like the the trite thing is that it's the the men's sex in the city but like it kind of was because like, oh yeah we, yeah we we'd watch and we'd like we'd see you know these guys who were as we said at the beginning we're, we're an aspirational podcast joking but uh like <laughs> entourage is an aspirational show like you're in a dorm room in new york city kind of like not have you know it's not exactly luxurious but you're watching on the screen vincent chase walking around some like palatial Hollywood Hills mansion with like two girls in bikinis and you're watching that and you're being like, okay, I could see myself as drama. I could see myself as turtle in yeah. that situation. And so that's actually what myself and my friends would do. We'd like, we'd watch it, but also we'd debate like, well, who's, who's who on this show? Oh yeah. Which is and the total, like, uh, yeah. the, the, the thing that I've never actually seen this in real life. It's more of a joke I'd see on like, that 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 um whatever his name is bruno movie uh but 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 yeah supposedly women do that with sex in the city and the different characters and uh yeah i can imagine that happening with entourage that was um i was watching this i never thought we'd do an episode on it it just kind of occurred to me that why the hell not and i was yeah. watching my, my overall sense like oh this is male sex in the city and then when i messaged you about it you were like oh yeah that was like male sex in the city back in the day and i was like oh <laughs> I guess I was right, because uh, another, uh, you know, yeah. individual uh, <laughs> thought of it that way. Um, so, so no, I think that is a really apt description because it has the sort of different archetypes in a, within a friend group. Um, to back up a half step here, I guess, for anyone who doesn't know about Entourage, the basic premise is it's about uh, an actor, Vincent Chase, um, A-list type actor, based very loosely on Mark Wahlberg, I believe, the yeah, executive producer true. on the show, uh, and his burgeoning career and the ups and, and many downs, as we as we learn as we get further into seasons of his uh, career career as an actor, and then it's also about his entourage, his group of friends, his uh, manager, um, and then to his brother, who's also a less a somewhat less successful actor who later ends up on television, and then their their other friend. 
Turtle, uh, who's kind of uh, this overweight uh, guy played by, I think his name is Jerry Ferreira, who has since uh, lost yeah. weight. Um, so good on him. But, uh, you know, he kind of doesn't seem to do much of anything. He's sort of, I mean, they're all sort of comic relief. Definitely the brother character uh, played by, uh, what's his name? Kevin Dillon. Yeah. Uh, right. Is also very much comic. You know, the whole show is pretty funny. Um, and, and part of the part of the joke is like, oh, what are, what, what is his entourage doing? They're kind of just there um to play backup support half the time although the manager um e eric uh obviously does, is 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 also sort of like i feel like there's a whole this is not that interesting for the pod but there's, there's a whole debate you can have is the main character of entourage vince or is it e because they're kind of the two more serious yeah. characters and then of course there's also his agent ari gold based on real life agent Ari Emanuel of William Morris Endeavor, <laughs> um, played by Jeremy Piven, who's one of the most memorable oh, yeah. characters as well. Probably uh, not to get too, most, I would yeah, say. Yeah, probably. And the funniest, maybe just overall best, he kind of does make the show. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's the basic premise. Why was I getting into that? Um, just, oh, one yeah. Just, thing, so, oh, no, go on. I'm sorry. No, 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 go on. Not, uh, so one part. thing I'd like to just, before we go past it, Entourage, the whole point of it is that he is success. He becomes successful. He can, becomes a successful film star, and he he's a native New Yorker. He's from Queens. He moves out to L.A. to be a successful film star, and so he brings his friends. He bring and they're his entourage. E Johnny Drama Turtle. They're um they're his boys, and that is what a lot of uh, stars do because like you are suddenly in an environment with a lot of sharks, a lot of people who want stuff from you, a lot of people who you can't trust. So both as a sign of uh, largress, like, you know, I'm, I'm the man, so I can give my friends money and, you know, just have them hang with me and not work. That's like, a, you know, I, I imagine for some men who are rich, like that's a, you know, gives you a little ego boost. But in addition to that, it serves a real purpose because you bring people who uh, care about you into a world where people are trying to exploit you. So that's that's the point of the entourage. And that's why E is is um, Vincent Chase, Adrian Grenier's manager. He right. hires E, even though E doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's, he's not an, a manager. He doesn't understand the entertainment industry, really. But he hires him because, because he can trust he him trusts to be honest. Him. Yeah. And specifically, and it, yeah, well, he doesn't know that much about the entertainment industry. He later learns about it. I mean, the, the E story in some ways is just as aspirational as the Vince one. You kind of see a very Joe Schmo, and I don't mean that in a bad way, just very average. The, the whole point is even Vince, they, they're all kind of just average dudes. Again, part of the appeal, part of the male sex of the city of it all is that as an average dude, you can relate to these guys. Um, but yeah, with, with E, he, um, you know, he does end up learning the business, but really from episode, from the pilot, uh, what Vince specifically trusts about is that he can be honest about scripts, you know, because everyone else in the show, including Ari, including Vince's, uh, agent, uh, you know, they have, uh, ulterior motives and, 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 and Ari, you know, the Jeremy Piven agent characters overall, I think fairly sympathetic. We're meant to think that he really does care about Vince, but he's really agenty, you know, and 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 uh, there again from, from the get go, one of the key sources of like not tension, but like uh, just one, one of the one of the one of the things the show explores, I guess, is is this. Yeah, the notion you talked about, like uh, when when you do become famous and successful, who do you trust? Because everyone has everyone that you meet in Hollywood is going to have an ulterior motive. Uh, have ideas about you, be latching on to you for their own financial success and clout, as the kids say nowadays. Um, so the whole point is, you know, you bring your group of friends, in this case from Queens, New York, with you uh, because you can trust them. And yeah, the E is specifically trustworthy when it comes to telling Vince which projects he should or shouldn't do. And that, I mean, that little plot thing, which is kind of the base of the pilot, they like get a script, E thinks it's a pile of shit, they don't do it. That keeps coming up like for six or like all like throughout the entire show. It's like Ari has an idea of something Vince should do. And Vince is like, okay, but what does he think? And then he um, <laughs> like the show keeps doing the same thing over and over again in, in a positive sense, which actually that's um, yeah, not this is maybe a bit of a tangent, but that's, a, that's on a, from like a storytelling level, which um, I will make the point. I think that the show is kind of 
you, you'd think it was kind of, it's a half hour comedy on HBO from the 2000s. Like you'd think it'd be kind of silly and it is, but actually I think the storytelling is pretty, pretty good. It's, it's a cut above um, yeah. almost every other, you know, TV show uh, fr- from the same time period or just in general. And one, one conceit that I really like is that um, almost like Seinfeld, which is also obviously a really well written show, uh, is supposed to be the show about nothing where nothing ever changes. Entourage is kind of like that too. Like there's big True. dramatic arcs of projects that come together and fall apart. And the whole thing is they're supposed to be seeing a developing career in Hollywood. But actually there is a considerable amount of stasis. The more things change, the more they stay the same, um, you know, Air E eventually becomes, you know, he gets other clients besides Vince, he becomes a real manager, but it's still, he's still really the same, you know, Vince, um, you know, they, they, they make, they make a big independent movie. They do a huge studio movie. There's all this dramatic stuff that happens, but really the, the basic sort of broiness of, of their, of their kind of day-to-day concerns. Yeah. And also, you know, you kind of can't separate the leopard from the spot sort of thing with the characters never really developing. Uh, in this case, not, not, not in a negative, like, Oh, nothing happens. Since, but in a positive, like some, some fundamental truth about the way that people are, uh, yeah. starts to be unpacked. Um, and that's, that's yeah. you know, again, I'm not done with the show. That's something I've really noticed is that it's really about how you can take people in different environments. You can put them in different life circumstances. You can give them money. You can take away money, give fame, take away fame. But they yeah. are fundamentally the same. And in this case, also, there's a that that ties into sort of masculinity. Um, you know, they're the same kind of broy energy uh, all all up and down their their levels of success and and life paths. Yeah, it's a show about friendship, ultimately. It's a show about male friendship. And in the same way, Seinfeld was ultimately, I think, a show about friendship as well. It was a show about the relationship between the characters. They never go anywhere. The thing is, it's kind of like, it's it's not... See, like, like episode, like TV used to write, it used to have real arcs. Or not used to, now it has real arcs. Prestige TV... Like The Sopranos started somewhere, it had a story arc, it ends somewhere. Very much. Breaking yeah. Bad starts somewhere, it has a story arc. Seinfeld was before that, and most sitcoms were before that. And they um, they don't have arcs. It's yeah. just about like hanging out with you know these characters and their relationships, and it's like it's a it's a kind of um, you know it's a hang. It's a yeah. <laughs> it's no, and, and that's what Entourage presented. Entourage did have arcs. They did have projects. But as you They're know... They're usually wrapped up by the end of the episode, or if not the end of the episode, then the end of the season. Yeah, and and, but also they were day. important. Like, the arcs in, like, Breaking Bad or something, that changed the nature of the show. Like, certain developments happen, and you can't go back. But, like, Entourage... Or, you know, many other, you know, Seinfeld, things like it, things happen, but nothing really happens. Yeah, exactly. And... Which is, is interesting. I mean, the, the, the comparison that I'm tempted to make, just from like a TV studies thing here, uh, is The Office, which, um, you know, it's a really normy, almost Reddit. Yeah. But like, The Office is a good show. Uh, I, I could it talk is. more at length about that. It's funny. Um, so not even to say one thing or other about this, but that that uh, that's a sitcom that contrasts with the uh, with the entourage, Seinfeld. Uh, I've never seen Friends, but I imagine the same thing. Model, where The Office does yeah, have yeah. arcs. Characters change pretty considerable. Well, yeah, more so than... Than, than, in, than in Seinfeld and Entourage. There's kind of more of a, an arc and a life path to the characters in that. Um, yeah, yeah, somewhat. But I mean, again, it's not like Breaking Bad. It's not yeah. like, you know, you start off like Walter White is some like some beta cuck who wants to cook meth and then he turns into like, you know, a hardcore G by the end. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Ar- arguably those things don't even happen in real life. People don't change like that. Yeah. But um regardless like drama in drama characters have to change because that's what you know a good drama is but entourage is not a good drama and and similarly Seinfeld is not it's like it's a um you know it's a it's a hang yeah it's a hang (laughs) that's a good way you you hang with 
you know, the boys. And... Exactly. So it's almost, well, I won't even make this. Well, I, I'll go ahead. It's like, the, I, I've, I've never been like a big come town listener. Exactly. But That's people, what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. Like it's maybe, like, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's kind of like, you know, what come town is today. I mean, now, obviously, one of the boys is gone. It's just Adam and um, Nick. But uh, yeah, and I mean, to some extent, like people have remarked that we have a rapport. Yeah, and no, I think like can be hanged, yeah, for sure. yeah, we like have more of a mission than come towns. This is not a pod about having sex with your dad, <laughs> but uh, which, which is the tagline for come town. That's yeah. where that comes yeah. from. But um, yeah, you know, regardless, I think you know people to the extent they do tune in. Well, thank you, number one. But in addition to that, I think it's because they. Um, yeah, they like hanging with us. Yeah, and I would hope. That's cool. Um, yeah, no. And I, I've always been a, a big fan. You know, I, I you know, not to get too off the topic of Entourage, <laughs> but, you know, you make the podcast you want to listen to. And I've always liked listening to podcasts like this, you know, on my on my yeah, yeah. So, you know, thank you to everyone out there who's joined us. But um, on the on the subject of Entourage and on the subject of kind of the male sex in the city-ness of it, um, so you know, this so was we, that the height of pickup culture. Is that what you're about to say? Uh, no, half, I'm half point before definitely want right. to get into that because um, that ties into other episodes yeah, yeah. we've done. But half point before that, just like so, if there, you know, there obviously there's female sex in the city, traditional sex in the city, return to tradition uh, in, in the '90s. Uh, not to overthink this, I guess, but it's like you know, we often think of like kind of things on this scale of like, oh, things are always getting more progressive. Like it's going to be, you know, the, the, the normal Ghostbusters in the eighties turn into female Ghostbusters in the two thousands, you know, what's next, you know, trans uh, Ghostbusters of color. Like we think of things on that trajectory. And I think in a broad, uh, from a broad uh, sort of historical sweeping perspective, yeah, culture does kind of move in that direction, getting more progressive from a right-wing standpoint, getting worse. Um, but in actuality, there's a bit, it's more of an oscillation, you know, things go back and forth and it's like, why would the, uh, male sex, the sex in the city, the kind of more broy sex in the city come after the slightly more quasi feminist, if you even want to call it that, you know, old sex in the city. And I think it, yeah, I think it does have to do with there being a bit, bit of a, bit of an oscillation, uh, to the movement of culture in this direction. You know, I was, barely conscious in the nineties. I was a child in the two thousands, but I, I, I do think that you can kind of view the era that entourage captures again, 2004 to 2010 or so as a sort of less progressive or it's not that it was exactly based either mind you, which we'll get into, but, 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 but less, even less woke perhaps than the nineties in certain respects. Uh, yeah. and, and obviously, obviously, less woke than what happened around, you know, the middle of Obama's tenure. Um, yeah. I, I so do kind of remember it. Maybe it's not based isn't the word, but definitely sort of apolitical. Yeah. Culturally apolitical because there was the Iraq war. Polit- it's almost like maybe politics were sort of outsourced to that foreign policy stuff. And like the, are you patriotic or are you not? Or is this war a terrible idea? Like those, those considerations were so big that well, so on the cultural level. Yeah. In that period, um, the early, I, I don't know how, uh, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know how statistically significant this is. Maybe social theorists will say, like, oh, this is BS. But the early 90s, the economy wasn't really quite going gangbusters. There was a recession around that era, a small recession. And crime was high. Crime was really high in New York City in the early 90s and across the country. Yeah. From the early 90s to the 2000s, everything got progressively better, better, better. Uh, yeah, indeed, the you know 9-11 was obviously, first and foremost, a tragedy. But beyond that, it was, um, you know, something that was a dislocation for our society. But it was something that was assimilated pretty quickly yeah not really cause a like maybe it kind of precipitated a dot-com crash but that dot-com crash did not really crash the economy at all the economy went along gangbusters until 2008 
So that run from the yeah. late nineties to 2008 was cause I, I know this, I was, I graduated because like as a young man, you're imbued with, you know, the spirit of your times. And so mm-hmm. I graduated in 2004 from high school and um, you know, I was going to off to college and I had, you know, visions in my head, like, oh, you have the golden ticket. You're going to, you know, fucking have lots of sex and make it's lots space. of money. Yeah. And it's it's going to be great. And, you know, it kind of was. It really, yeah. like, I remember, you know, people in my, my school, we, everyone was getting finance jobs. Everyone was like, we would, like, in our dorms, when we were talking about entourage, we would also talk about, like, oh, so-and-so, this, you know, just, junior he's at lehman now or this guy is at you know merrill and like and the thing is like yeah those guys were going to make i mean this is back in like 2006 so this was more money those guys are going to make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars next year uh that was more money then now it's not quite as impressive but uh it was also the idea like you know well, in five or 10 years, those guys are going to have, they're going to be making millions a year. And, and indeed that turned out to be true for many of them. Many of them are making millions, Mm -hmm. but the trajectory changed. It changed for many in 2008. Yeah. That that was the, like, you, you have to understand that. Like, I remember I was going to like, I was an English major. So I graduated and was lucky to find some BS job in public relations and so I was going into work and I Lehman crashed and I'm just like, huh, well, this is going to be fucked up, I bet. And like, lo and behold, it's just, you know, the, it kind of like, I don't think the material effect of Lehman's crash really, it did basically have the stock market, but whatever that, that came back. Mm-hmm. What the issue more was it kind of, it was a, a road runner looking down and realizing there's no ground beneath him yeah. moment for America and for American men, especially you look down and you realize that the assets you thought were yours were actually belonged to banks. You realize that the economy you thought was, uh, you know, that was sturdy actually is built on nothing. And, um, yeah. And after that, you, it's just kind of like it, uh, the, the fourth turning bros, uh, Strauss yeah. and whoever the, it is, they, they consider Strauss and how they consider the great recession to be a turning point, uh, to be, that might have been the start of our current fourth turn. You know what? I think that I agree. Uh, again, I'm not a social theorist, but you know, when I was preparing notes, this I hadn't even really thought of. I said that was a that was kind of a hole in my thinking on this. But yeah, compl- It's not even so much like oh, politically correct, not politically correct. I think I think you summed it up really well. I think you know, at the in the early '90s, so less so original run Sex in the City, but in the early '90s, they you know, there's there was some era of of, of relative political correctness that folks like Alan Bloom and Harold Bloom and others, yeah, yeah. you know, Polly even were reacting to, and then that sort of yes, yeah, steadily went away as things got better. I'm not a social theorist either, but you you know you gotta wonder or s- speculate that you know things like political correctness, wokeism, and and honestly, not that I'm like neoliberal, but like even even things like um more, more nationalistic sentiment. You know, they, they probably are fundamentally a product of malaise with things that are yeah, going yeah. on. That doesn't necessarily, by the way, I'm not, I'm not discrediting nationalism. At, you know, Ooh. I am something of nationalist <laughs> myself, but, but nevertheless, it's, it's a response to, you know, malaise that may have initially had sort of economic. Yeah. Uh, cause. Like you, you can be bought off. That's the thing. Like yeah. if, um, you know, like I'm, I'm doing pretty well right now, but if I say we're, it's not going to happen. But if I were like a, uh, a partner at a, uh, you know, one of the, the top 10 law firms tomorrow. Um, yeah. And suddenly making like three or $4 million a year. I don't know if I'd have a distant podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, um, this three mil in the bank every year, this looks pretty nice. Um, totally. Yeah. This like, it's so 
material success has a way of distracting people from the very real and important issues and lack of material success that has a way of uh you know is helping people zero in on the um the the malaise issue or not the malaise is the product but zero in on the problems that cause the malaise yeah totally so the way i i like to think about the um the aughts the way I like to think about the, that period of prosperity, that hangover era, that, like the movie, The Hangover, but mm -hmm. I guess it was sort of a hangover as well, of yeah. uh, the hangover of our prosperity. Yeah, I yeah. like to think of it as, um, you know, a roadrunner type thing where you're like, underneath you, the nation has been hollowed out by immigration, by the Civil Rights Act, by all of these things that essentially have taken away the tools for a vibrant nation and a fair nation. And that's been, you know, taken away from you. And like, people don't really, they didn't really care because it's like, well, you know, as long as I got 2 mil in the bank exactly. every year, I don't, I don't need a civil rights act. If I have 2 mil in the bank every year, I mean, or rather, I don't need to have this act repealed. I, I don't need. <laughs> I don't. I don't need. Uh, I don't need. Um, you know, traditional Catholicism, or like, uh, you know, I, I. I don't need some like traditionalist social order to glom yeah, onto. Yeah. Uh, I don't exactly. need order. You, you don't I, I don't need... know. I, however, you want to put it. I don't need let's put it very you know concretely in, in sexual uh, practices you don't need to worry about you know traditional sexual morality if you you're making very good money i mean there's exceptions but yeah, like, if yeah. you're like if you're like at the you know elite levels of money making it's kind of like yeah well i'll you know have my pick and that, that to an extent yeah. is true and I mean, I know tacos would disagree, but like, I, I mean, I really think there is something to it. You there, know? There's something to that also. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just back to, to bring it back to, to entourage. Like what, what does that era capture? Well, a few, you know, what, what, what does the show capture? I think it captures really well the era in question, 2004 to 2010 uh, to, to anticipate one sort of uh hole in that argument. It's like, Obviously, as we mentioned, it, this was a very aspirational portrayal of people that were at the top of society, quote unquote. Um, but I mean, there's something to be said for, uh, again, not a social theorist. So I'm just kind of pulling this out of my ass and it sounds kind of good, but I think there's truth to it. You know, the the the, the aspirations of an era, their, their visions of luxury, wealth, success. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, those visions can tell you as much or more about it as a more like quotidian sort of day-to-day -day portrayal Absolutely. and i think that uh, entourage makes me nostalgic again i was kind of like 10 to 15 but like entourage makes me nostalgic for that era in a way that other shows don't quite capture it because i don't know just something about the aspirations encapsulated therein some of the music was like some of the first like dumbass like urban hip-hop songs yeah, I, was yeah. just, I don't know it just feels very very 2000s and in a way that it reminds me like oh this is what i remember people thought was sexy then this was Absolutely. what i saw in the uh you know the dumb ass magazines in the supermarket checkout like that actually really captures something but what does it capture i don't think that it was like a golden era by any well in some ways it was but i don't think it was like it, politically it was far from like a golden age it wasn't super based or anything uh but it wasn't woke yeah. And um, it, it was basically just a lot like th 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 there was more of a divide between politics and culture. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, that's over. and I think that you've unpacked it really well in terms of what that was. It was the moment where Roadrunner was still, you know, hadn't uh, not Wiley, Coyote. Um, Wiley Coyote hadn't yet realized that there was no ground. Beneath. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a, it, we were, it was still the sort of, you know, post 90s through 2000s boom. And there was a lot of general optimism. There was a lot of very casual enjoyment of wealth, very casual enjoyment of sex. There wasn't this sense, this was before Occupy Wall Street, obviously before the economic crash. So there was a sense that everyone could kind of make it. 
This was, yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't know what the actual numbers were. And this maybe is what we'll talk about next, but this was very much before like the incel era. Uh, it True. was very much a time during which there was a kind of more liberal sexual marketplace. Obviously I'm sure there was, um, well, obviously the sexual marketplace is still arguably some kind of liberal, but you know, it was an yeah. era during which there was this kind of middle class middle ground. sexually uh, where there was fantasy or not. There was a sense that anyone with the right in the right setting could kind of get laid in the way that the Absolutely. characters, I mean, the pre um, the, the sexual dynamic during the entourage era was a little more freewheeling. Men had a little more, um, you know, it, people didn't seem to be quite as dissatisfied. The incel thing hadn't really kicked yeah. off. I think crucially, um, recession has a little bit to do with that men losing jobs, opportunities, but probably the more so than anything, yeah, more so than anything, Tinder. That yeah. like that killed it for because like you said, there is, and I, maybe this we're already back into it. You said that there is a um, was a sense like you could hook it up with anyone. You could yeah. go out on the town and get anything. So, and yeah, that was again, absolutely true. That was, was like something I, so, something of a fantasy, but but not completely untrue. Go on. No, it, yeah. it absolutely wasn't untrue because like a part of this is okay. I'm older now. I don't I'm not in my twenties. I'm not going out, you know, uh trying to pick up. Not that I even would now. I'm a little more uh sexually conservative, but like in my twenties. Yeah, before this is before iPhones, before Tinder, we'd go out to bars, myself and my friends, every weekend, and we'd try to get laid. And we'd try to meet women. And sometimes it would work. Like uh, often it would work. Like there, I have some of my craziest stories are from women I went home with. And like I remember, like this, uh, God, maybe I'll get even hate for this, but uh, I remember one that sticks out to me particularly is being in my college bar when I was 20 and going over to some woman and running some line and going back to her, um, her very nice apartment in the, the area where I went to college. You know, I, I went to college in New York city and this was a, you know, a very nice building and uh, later learning that she was a professor at my college. Uh, and, no, that's uh, something that would happen in Entourage. Exactly. You know? he, no, I'm like, yeah. Carla Cugino is his agent briefly, and they end up banging. Like, just like, uh, just like random, like crazy. Stuff like that in New York City and, and, and all over. It happens. As, like, as a younger millennial, and I'm sure as an, for older Gen Zers, so you kind of grow up watching things like Entourage and hearing stories from older guys about that. And then you think, that's how it is. And, uh, you're kind of in for disappointment. Uh, yeah, uh, not again, no, maybe it's like, not the I, best to engage in that kind of thing anyway, but like, it's so not how it is anymore. I mean, it's not yeah, just like, like, I don't even think well, it's that, that it's, some people would say like, Oh, it's, it's now there's more of a divide. Like it's like a few people get all of it, but honestly, even through. the guys who are getting laid, I don't think it's that way. It's not as serendipitous. Yeah. That, and then not to run through the yeah. greatest hits, but like truly serendipity is the correct word there. Like I remember going home one night and some girl started dancing with me as I was walking home outside of a bar. And I'm just like, hell yeah. And I start dancing with her. I go into the bar, we start making out and I'm back at her place in like, you know, uh, an hour. Yeah, and like, that's, no. that's what New York city was like in 2010. That was, that was, you know, it was, I'm okay. I was younger and I'm sure young people, like I see like, you know, Washington square park has like, you know, throughout COVID has like various degenerates in it, doing drugs and going crazy. Like I'm sure they're doing all sorts of stuff, but like, I, I still do go to bars. I still do go. And like, it's different. The vibe is different. People oh, yeah. are not, they're on their phones. They're not talking to people the way they used to. And um, yeah, it's um, things, things have changed. Yeah. I mean, that's a change in the sexual economy, but also just a change generally culturally. And one thing in entourage is yes, it's, it's, it's sex. They're having a lot of casual sex, but even just some of the businessy stuff that ends up happening to them, it's all, there's that serendipity. And that's one of the things that's fun about watching it is you see them kind of living I mean, I don't want to be cliche and be like, look, no, you know, no cell phones, everyone living in the moment. But yeah, you watch it and you see, you know, fewer to no cell phones, everyone living in a moment. I think that's part of 
what makes this so nostalgic, even though it's not that old in the grand scheme of things, is that it's it's pre pre iPhone. Um, but on, on the sexual topic, I mean, I, I think that you know I'll tie this episode in with um, our second episode we ever did uh, on Hartis's blog and the Manosphere to Literature Pipeline, where we sort of talked about how Hartis's blog and and really all of the early Manosphere was a, was a product of this same uh, sexual and social era that is on Entourage, where it was the the uh, the, the, it was when pickup sort of worked supposedly yeah. again not from my own experience but i so i hear too young. um and when you know you actually would would um meet people in bars that doesn't really happen anymore at all i don't think uh, day yeah. game whatever you want to call it this this era is is the same the same era that brought us entourage is the era that brought us chateau Hartiste, uh, undoubtedly um and yeah no it just kind of yeah, I, part of what makes the show nostalgic, but also just like sociologically interesting, is charting charting that change. And again, we're not here to to to, to play social theorists, although we keep on putting that hat on. I guess that's something that a show like Entourage does to you. I think that it does encapsulate the era so well, and it kind of encapsulates different mores and aspirations so well that um, it is. And I'm sure, unfortunately, from a woke angle, I'm sure there are a lot of sort of more academic studies on 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 entourage uh versus you know from like tv theory departments at universities because it it is a show that captures stuff very well absolutely it you know it captures an aspirational lifestyle but also is a um a time capsule of an era where men were more sexually free there wasn't this sense of like um like God, like even if, if we're to take it, we have been talking about uh, what it was like for the everyman, not for um, Vincent Chase, but you know, if I'm to take it to the life on campus, the life on campus that I lived in 2007, 2008, I have every reason to believe that fast forward five years, they've they set up those title nine kangaroo courts. So like, I, I think probably many of my drunken hookups, like, who knows what could have, you know, happened to me in in that system. And, you know, it like in very many tangible ways, the, um, the culture turned against men. I think that's turned against men economically manufacturing jobs, you know, facing probably the steepest um, layoffs in after the Great Recession. It turned against men sexually with the advent of Tinder, with the, uh, you know, the also with the layoffs, like it's really, you know, a man yeah. who doesn't make yeah. money, it's hard to, you know, be as attractive. Although, again, tacos would depict that. Mm-hmm. Tacos has his own point of view on these, which is irrelevant. And, you know, yeah. but this is not a pod about <laughs> taco stating theories. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, things changed dramatically after the Great Recession. And Entourage was a time capsule of an era. The moment where, right before the recession, yeah, basically. A kind of like cultural peak for men, I would say. Yeah, no, and a certain kind of um, male freedom. Now, let's add some caveats to this. I don't think this is like the far from the height of of what men can be. You know, this oh, no, is wildly entertaining. And obviously it is great to see a certain sort of male freedom and just casual enjoyment of life especially you know in the given that in the time since then that kind of thing has significantly receded that said like let's you know to put it in context no i don't think what the characters on entourage do is any kind of peak it's almost you know it's the classic meme that comes up all the time um you know hard men make good times yes and that's exactly what these are the good times that made soft men that's exactly I mean, what no, I was no thinking. fucking doubt. So look, yeah. like, and uh, honestly, weak men make hard times. Weak men make hard times, and also even not to not to pussyfoot here, but even like some of the Me Too stuff. Obviously, we can talk about the excesses of Me Too, but like, yeah, there were probably some pretty douchey, you know, gross rape type stuff that happened in this time. That you know, there there should have maybe been more criticism. I don't know if you'll agree with me, Dan, but like, uh, no, no, I. Like I mean, all of this, sure. all of this is nuanced. You know, I'm not saying that 
that douchebaggery, and I, I don't use that term lightly, like there is a lot of that and just general vapidity of some of the male behavior. I'm not saying that that is like any kind of pinnacle and that we shouldn't be uncritical of it, but so, it just, you know, go on. Sorry. Here's something interesting. It's not in the notes, but it occurs to me now we, um, you know, I obviously we're not in the midst of a war or anything, but I do think we're in some like low key hard times era. Oh, right for sure. Now. Yeah. 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 And like, so where perhaps in some ways the beneficiary of that because it uh you know hard times make strong men and i know for certain if i weren't you know reacting to the current culture i wouldn't be as sexually conservative yeah i wouldn't be as kind of focused on like i have a a mission to you know write my art get my art out there i have a mission to you know do whatever take care of my family and like it's just kind yeah. of like it instills within you the kind of the uncertainty or the, the 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 things you're reacting against to kind of build in you a, a sort of strength and so what i think would be interesting is well what would the entourage be today like what's what's an entourage for like okay if if Vincent and uh, Turtle and E were the um, good times make weak men, if they're the weak men, well, what about a show about the uh, the strong men? Yeah, I mean, made what by would hard that? Times? Yeah, I mean, not to be too uh, like you know, uh, like oh, clearly we're the strongest men of all. Like, obviously, that's not true. No, it's it's but, come town. It's it's I'm yeah. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, it's uh, the hard men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, what? What? I mean, it's East hard to think cheese. what what that television show would look like because so much of our, our lives no longer lend themselves to television, in in my humble opinion, in the way that a casual lifestyle of the two thousands did. Again, because of that serendipity, serendipity lends itself really well to sitcoms. Where is the serendipity in our lives? So it's, it's all meticulously planned out. Um, you know, to the I mean, on on our damn phones. So it. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be maybe self-referential here and maybe people will say like this is the fucking worst idea i've ever heard dan this is stupid but like there is a real cultural renaissance on the right and there are mm -hmm. people out there going mm -hmm. to parties and having fun and like doing crazy shit and we even talked about how we might talk about the De Beer thing and yeah. like, i don't know how much we want to get into that but sure. um no, there's but, a there is a burgeoning sort of more. Yeah, the, yeah. Our, our thing here is kind of becoming more IRL, and I think that there is a lot of cultural energy here, which is why a lot of people who aren't even politically of the right are are attracted to it. And there, yeah, there's more of like an IRL social social, exactly. especially over there in New York City. It seems like. Yeah, and so like I feel like if one were to do a uh, show about kind of like young men today it would be a show about the kind of like right-wing counterculture. I guess. And yeah. Which yeah, is not I a mean, show like, that would get made, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like, I mean, yeah. it's like the, you know, these are the guys like running around doing the crazy shit. And um, yeah. In a kind of culture that is like neutered, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a, an area where there's still some brill where there's a lot of brill. And I mean, I think that's why, you know, a lot of women are attracted to this sphere because, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, well, number one, like any sphere where you have, I'm, I, if I keep saying Pharrell, I'm going to sound like <laughs> any uh. sphere where you have vitality, you are going to attract <clears throat> art. Mm -hmm. And so good art is being made on the right because it's audacious because it's you know you need vitalism to create good art and um so that brings you know like if you build it they will come if you build mm -hmm. up good art they will come Definitely. and you know people are people are coming that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> come town again um but um we're a little more pressed for time on this episode than the normal. So I'll try and, you know, we can try and sort of not wrap it up yet, but maybe, maybe move 
move in that direction of just kind yeah. of summing up our, our, our final thoughts here. I, I think you, this wasn't even in our notes. So I think you summed it all up really well with that Wiley Coyote metaphor. And yeah, I think this show you can, there's, I guess what, you know, what it, where it's like in summation here, you know, you could kind of look at it from two angles. You could kind of look at it nostalgically like, Oh, this era was really fun. And you also could look at it as these are sort of the, weak men who made uh hard times, hard times in a certain sense because yeah i mean they are very apolitical they definitely are not principal they definitely don't have any values and i don't want to sound like some moral fag conservative here but you know but in a more concrete and meaningful sense they don't have values that would that you know that secure the future shall we say um, yeah, you know they're they're sleeping around they're, i mean even just career-wise to get more into the plot of the show um vince ends up making horrendous decisions and you know there's a little bit of a thing where it's like he's he's like he's more of the pure artist and he he wants to do his own projects but like he's a dumbass like he makes terrible financial decisions he he um makes some bad artistic decisions and like well that's one of the things i wanted to comment on is for as much as this show is like a little you know a show you could look at through rose-colored glasses and be like this is a really nice era it's it's very sober in terms of you know again i'm not done with it yet but five seasons in it's like things have kind of gone they, things keep going wrong basically uh a yeah. lot of it you know he vince's big thing in like season two is he stars in aquaman which is funnily a real movie now at the time it wasn't at the time they were just like pulling a what would be a generic superhero movie they were pulling it on their ass and I think yeah. it becomes the highest grossing film of all time in, in the universe of Entourage. So he's a big, big star. That's pretty much the main good thing that happens to him. The rest of the time, he's kind of chasing after these um, projects that sound really artistically highfalutin to him, but like don't really, definitely don't maximize the success he could have. Uh, mostly working with this very douchey director named Billy Walsh in the in the in the show. Um, and then they end up making a disaster of a movie uh, based on the life of Pablo Escobar, which is, a, again, just as a little bit of an aside, really neither here nor there. Uh, this, I also thought, was a very charming, uh, if funny, sort of encapsulation of, of the era. They make this movie based on the life of Pablo Escobar. It's this big, independently funded thing that they kind of produce themselves. And their, their whole thing the whole time is like, this is our Scarface. This is our Scarface. And if you remember the 2000s, for whatever reason, by the way, I like the movie Scarface, so I'm not putting it down, but like I have, it is almost puzzling in retrospect, like why every film bro or even just normal dude in like the 2000s thought Scarface was like the absolute peak of uh, cinematic yeah. achievement. I mean, does that resonate, Dan? Do you remember? It I, does. I feel like yeah. Every, there was like, like everyone was... had the shirt, and like it was everyone thought that was like the best movie of all time in like 2008. I mean, for me, that was like I was in college. And so it was like the, you know, prototypical college bro film. Yeah, lots of people on my floor had the Scarface poster up and they were always the douchiest guys. It's always the guy who's like, you know, the, the biggest thick wide who has like yeah. a big uh, Scarface. And he's just like, yeah, the money, women, honor yeah. and type this of... also was downstream, I, I think, entirely from the fact that Scarface is also extensively referenced in hip hop. Um, just to touch on this briefly, because I think it's relevant. Um, this same era we're talking about was it, it was a relative era, was an era of relatively low racial tension and also the, the peak of um, hip hop's mainstream appeal. This was 50 Cent era. You know, you see Turtle in the show almost dresses like 50 Cent. This is an era where as a white, bro you would you of course you would just listen to hip-hop that was your thing and it wasn't like oh you listen to hip-hop and you also had a black lives matter sticker no you just like hip-hop and you didn't like it because um because of civil rights reasons you liked it because it was masculine and represented all these kind of sort of aspirations of having money and women that were also um it's the same thing with scarface basically that 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 was like at the time that was very like cool, if a bit normy, you know, was to to basically be like, yeah, you know, I I like power, I like sports, women, you know, like it was it was that era of of broiness, and I think the hip hop has something to do with it, 
and the Scarface of it all has something to do with that. And again, you see this in Spades in in Entourage. You see it very much. You know, they're always listening to Jay Z and Fifty Cent and whatever else, and yeah, yeah. they love Scarface as again this peak of 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 cinematic achievement. And they even make their own Scarface in this movie, Medellin, which then bombs at Cannes, sort of sending the series into the sort of post hangover period show or like that you could maybe oh yeah i haven't seen all of it but but i, I the way the show is going now into season five when they went after their film uh, on pablo escobar medellin has bombed it's like it's almost like they're waking up hungover a little bit now it's with, yeah. and that season started in 2008 so coincidence i think not i think that you know we can kind of chart the whole history of this series as um, the end of a dream, uh, waking up into into a bit of a, a hangover state. Yeah, I think what you know, it, it, what it kind of boils down to is if you were to make a sitcom or a, a TV show that's kind of investigates the fourth turning style issues of our time back then, you it would just seem insane. It'd be like, this is conspiracy shit. This is like, yeah. you belong in Austin with Alex Jones. And we don't <laughs> even know who Alex Jones is because he's, you know, he's just some guy making uh, Joker, Joker videos about Obama. Yeah. 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 But like now, if you make something like Entourage, it'd be like, like think about the shows that we like now, the mainstream shows, even that we like now, Succession, uh, White Lotus, like you can't ignore that essentially there's issues that are breaking America and those shows don't ignore them. They, you know, they don't, they don't confront them in a based way. They don't, they're not like, these are not uh, our shows. I mean, I would argue uh, that they sort of are, but I mean, we've talked about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's (laughs) something to be, there's an argument to be made there, but like, um, nevertheless, you need to deal with them. You need to grapple with them. And like, entourage was a response to its time and its time was such that like these kind of fundamentally deranging issues they were there but they were so buried below the surface by um by kind of surface level um prosperity that um it it would have you would have to have been deranged to focus on them and like truly like the people like the the r guys of that era they were just, you know, like broadly thought of as like total kooks. Well, they and were like, in the Ron Paul movement. They were starting well, podcasts yeah. called The Stark Truth in 2010. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, seriously. No, they were. Well, that's a, that's, that gets into a whole other interesting thing. Like, yeah, they were, it's not that they were, they were right about a lot, but they were, they were on the fringe of society in the way that they're just not anymore um you know even some of the like the this is to go on a tangent but like even some of the more normy uh sort of reviews of that alex lee moyer alex's war documentary sort of which i'm watching right now but yeah it's it's pretty good it. um, yeah. alex lee moyer should come on the pod if we if anyone knows her but um, should. yeah no we, the, we know uh, people who know her we do we should we should look at that but like uh even yeah. some of the more normy reviews are like it, it, some of the more liberal reviews were like you know we're we're all sort of alex jones now yeah yeah. and we are i think you know um not that we're saying or behaving as you know not that we're going out as far out of limb as alex jones sometimes does but like it's this kind of post-consensus society that that we are in where we even you know honestly on both sides obviously there is still an establishment and there's still very much establishmentarians and there's still an establishment sort of enforcing its will upon us, which I don't think we're going to have time necessarily to do a, a current events segment today, but um, yeah. you know, we can talk about the FBI and all that. But there still is an establishment, but we're kind of all variously at odds with it. And we are we are kind of Absolutely. in this post-truth era a little bit. Yeah, this is going too far down the rabbit hole. But but no, so you, you bring up a good point. You know, this was an era where, you know, Ron Paul, I mean, I, I, you know, I was younger, but I do remember Ron Paul. And I remember, you know, people who you know didn't like mccain or obama you know that that was kind of that era and they were viewed as kooky but like as soon as the recession hits like well maybe they're right about something you know and we're obviously coming out of the iraq war at the time even then there was a sense of like oh gosh maybe maybe some of these ideas are correct and that has grown in the 10 years since then to the point where it's like 
yeah, no, we are all sort of in that position of, of coming to our own conclusions and, and we're all, we're all disillusioned. Yeah, that's for sure. Unfortunately. It, but I mean, disillusioned, but also like going back to the whole fourth turning of it all, I think, you know, perhaps uh, more inspired than our cohorts. I'm certainly more inspired than I was when I was 20 or 22. Oh, yeah. And no. it's like, yeah, it's, you know. Well, you... well, look, yeah, like look at the look at the show again. Haven't completed it yet, but look at the show that, you know, what what comes of all that luxury and all that wealth? They, they have a good run of it, but the yeah, it kind of, they don't really make good movies. <laughs> they don't really make good art. Yeah. And they kind of just get older and, you know, end up having to go to rehab. And, and that's just that. Whereas like now for as bad as things are, I think there is a more fecund sort of cultural energy burbling up. Um, so yeah. yeah, hard times make strong men or at least creative men in a way that, because in some ways you could look at Entourage as a show. It's like, it's about, it's about people kind of failing to make good art in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think yeah. what the the phrase we're looking for is hard times make strong podcasts, Matt. <laughs> like, yeah. Like no. New right. Like new right. And, and hard times have uh, cast our podcast into a crucible. And we are now uh, hard as iron, really. Hard as iron, indeed, yeah. Well, I think we can <laughs> just about wrap it up. I mean, any any other any other thoughts? There's probably more we could say about Entourage, but Blood and Bowden, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Blood and Bowden. Yeah. <laughs> uh no, I mean no real final thoughts here. Like it was a good show. It was fun. But yeah, it's a kind of greasy time capsule of an era that uh, ultimately was a bit of a frivolous time. Yeah, and, I think uh, that sort of gets to the heart of it. I, I had in my notes, like, intriguingly, a couple of the of the actors from Entourage have been sort of me too since then. We didn't really talk so much about me too in the changing phase of Hollywood. But you know what? Honestly, I mean, we all know. What more yeah. <laughs> is there to say? No, you couldn't make this show anymore because it's not woke and no but yeah even in real life sort of jeremy piven and uh kevin Connolly have both had their various brushes with that so you know it's they're acting in the show but this was also the product of a, a hollywood that again i wasn't around for it but i i do have the sense that it was genuinely somewhat like the hollywood portrayed in the show where it was more of a boys club uh and uh that is no more um but what yeah there's really what's to be said about that that hasn't already been said it's the show about a bygone era but yeah which was not really an era where i mean a lot of great art was produced and you know i'm, I'm hopeful in some respects that our current uh tumultuous culture is going to lead to great art yeah. and that is you know perhaps one of the uh the white pills, as they say. Yeah, no, I, I genuinely, I think that is that is a, a white pill to swallow in all this. Um, but it's a nutbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Until next time.